0: Hello, hello, Angel Muffins. It is me, MLB, back with another episode of The Mary Lacey Bank Show. Thank you for being here today. So today's episode, we are going to touch on something that is super near and dear to my heart, which is addiction. I have struggled with addiction for literally my whole life. I mean, I can remember being addicted to something in some form going back to as like early as eight years old. Um so the reason that I'm choosing to share the story first of all like I don't want to trauma dump like that's not why I'm sharing this. Uh my intention is I just want to share my honest experience with addiction, what I've learned and what I am doing now to live a life that feels healthy and more regulated. And going into this episode I want to give addiction and recovery two new um, like definitions for the sake of this episode. So when I say addiction, I want to think of this as an inability to self-regulate because that's what addiction is. It is an inability to self-regulate so that you have to reach outside of yourself for something to bring you comfort. It is, you know, a lot of it is an inability to be uncomfortable And then to the same token, you know, getting, you know, quote, getting clean, recovery, sobriety, all these things. What that means is just learning how to self-regulate. Like learning how to regulate so that you don't have to reach outside of yourself for that self-sabotaging behavior or substance to bring you temporary relief from whatever it is that you're feeling. So let's just get right into it. So as I was saying earlier, I've literally been addicted to something for, you know, as long as I can remember, my first addiction was food. And um, I just remember when I was a little girl, like whenever shit would just go wrong in my life or, you know, chaos would happen at home, I would just, I, I just found food at a very early age and its ability to make the stress and the noise of life and of the circumstances it just like I'd feel like it just turned the dial down and it made me feel good (laughs) you know which I now understand that that feel good that I was feeling was really just the release of dopamine so from a very young age you know I had this this food issue and Quickly, as I started to get into adolescence and as I started to become more aware of my body, I started to realize the the correlation between the food that I ate and the way my body looked. And of course, um, and especially the time that I grew up, I think body positivity now is, you know, on the rise and it's a little bit different. But, you know, when I was growing up, it's like being skinny was just like the number one status symbol, swear to God. So once I got in high school, I had this desire to be skinny and this really catapulted my obsession with my body, with my weight. So now it kind of morphed into more of, you know, eating disorder territory where it, you know, became like an obsession with counting calories and all these things. And for the longest time, like if I'm being honest, I think I would literally hold like having an eating disorder almost as like a badge of honor. And I know that's so... It's it's wild to admit but it's true. It, it really felt like it was almost like, "Haha, I have more willpower than you, like I'm better than you or something." But now that I am older and realizing that literally so many women, you know, like around my age have gone through the same thing. Like it just seemed like th- this was such a rampant thing. So anyway, when I was 15 years old, I was introduced to Adderall. You guys Oh my God. I remember the first day I took Adderall. I actually was um, at the time when I was in high school, Adderall was literally just given around like candy (laughs) and I had gotten it from a friend. I remember the day I took Adderall. I was like, the only thing I cared about in that moment was how the fuck can I get more? How can I get more? How can I get more? So that day I called my doctor, I got in to see him and the wild thing is I told him. I'm like, "Hey, you know, one of my friends at school gave me some Adderall." I literally told him this. And I'm like, "And it really helped me and, you know, I want some." And it was that easy. Like I I got it. <laughs> and I will say, you know, Adderall is given to people to treat ADHD. And at the time, I hadn't been diagnosed with ADHD, and I will say, you know, I all of the categorical you know, boxes that need to be checked for ADHD. Like I could have checked them, you know, I definitely did in a lot of ways. And so, you know, he determined I had ADHD based on that, you know, based on those questions and gave it to me. And I will say Adderall for a while did help me. And, you know, it helped me get better grades. It helped me focus more in school. It helped me you know, just be a better performer in so many ways. And it snowballed very quickly. Like it, the, it I just remember escalating so quick. Like I would go back to the doctor and they would keep upping my dosage and upping my dosage. And what I loved is that every time my dosage would up, s- like the number on the scale would go down or the, you know, the number of miles I ran would increase or, you know, the amount of, um, homework I was able to, complete, increased. And it, you know, again, it it worked for a long time. And <clears throat> I'll also say that it was around this time that Adderall quickly became like my actual best friend. Because all of the things that I was, you know, addicted to at the time, you know, my eating disorder, um, my addiction to exercise and making sure that I exercised and burned more calories than I was eating. Like it made me so I could do all of that. It also made it so that I was able to achieve, like I was able to get these crazy high grades in, you know, computer classes, engineering classes, uh, all these math classes that to be honest, like I don't give a shit about, but it was just all about achievement and just showing other people that I was like worthy. Like it was such a showy thing, but Anyway, Adderall just quickly became my best friend because it like it gave me the ability to to like achieve all of those things and to be able to hold all of those things at once. And um, it also became like a really isolating thing because my whole life just became about like me achieving something in some way. And, you know, Adderall was kind of like the glue that just held it all together you know, Adderall gave me the willpower to have the anorexia and the bulimia. Adderall gave me the energy to run upwards of 100 miles per week. And it gave me the it like Adderall made it possible for me to get these high grades and these pre- prestigious, you know, engineering classes. And, um, you know, to me, it was like, I'm fit. I'm skinny. I'm smart. Like, I'm worthy. This is great. Like, let's let this ride. Um, so that continued for honestly a long time, and I also want to touch on another thing that Adderall did for me, and you know, I will say in high school, and I mean, this has been a common theme in my life i I mean, I'm not your average bear, you know i'm i'm a I'm a different type of human, and with that being said i've I always felt it hard to make friends. I felt it hard to make friends, keep friends um I always felt, like, left out or or just not accepted or something. I always felt like I was trying to fit in. Maybe I'll say that. And what Adderall gave me was it made it so that I just didn't give a shit about that stuff anymore because I was so focused on getting the good grade or getting, you know, getting the number on the scale or whatever that, like, that stuff didn't matter to me. And I just wanted to share that because, like, I just think that was like a further entrenchment of my love for this thing because it took away those feelings of like feeling like left out or sad. Um, So I now want to get into, you know, like, did I know I had a problem? So yes, I did. And I was in total denial because I was able to, you know, I knew I had a problem just based on the sheer amount of Adderall I was taking. And, you know, I would get heart palpitations often. I would have moments where I would black out. I would have moments where, you know, I felt like I couldn't breathe. My anxiety was always through the roof. So, yes, I did. And, like, my mantra in my head was, well, I have ADHD, so I need this. Like, I have ADHD, so I need this. And it's helping me you know, it's helping me get good grades in college. It's helping me, um, run all these miles. It's helping me, um, you know, totally keep it together. And, and it was, and, you know, I would get, I got to a point too, where I was like manipulating doctors, you guys, like I would go into the doctor's office and I would literally put on a show. Like I would lie to them about how I was feeling and what I was feeling just so that they would increase my dosage. And, um, You know, it got to a point where I started stockpiling and hoarding this drug and I would have these paranoia thoughts of like, oh, my God, well, if like what would happen if the apocalypse happened and I couldn't get this drug? Like, what would I do? And that's when I started stockpiling for like a potential Armageddon situation where I would need this stuff. And I remember like I would be watching preppers on TV and I would be thinking to myself, oh, wow. Well, if I ever got a bunker, I'd have to get a place for my Adderall. I know you guys like literally I just like literally that is the level of like thoughts I had around this thing because of how like just attached I was to it. Like, you you know, that guy from Lord of the Rings, uh, I think Gollum with the ring, like literally that was me with. Adderall like it was my fucking precious my precious like in every way so it I, I have to talk about too is like my the relationship that Adderall and alcohol have played in my life because Adderall and alcohol were like the dynamic duo in my life you know what I mean like they were such a combo and alcohol was something that came into my life you know, honestly, right around the same time as Adderall, like I had never up until a few months ago, like I had never drank an alcohol without being on some type of a psychotropic drug. So what I would do is I would use Adderall to like take it before I went out somewhere. Um, so this is where I would use like my stockpiled Adderall, like like I like I would use it not as prescribed at this point. And I would use it to like go out so that it would give me, you know, the energy and just make me feel up, just make me feel up and excited and whatever. And then I would use alcohol like in a social sense to like calm down or something. So it became this really dangerous like dance. And this combination created so many like rock bottoms in my life, like Literally, I have had so many like cringy close call moments using both of these like drugs essentially in conjunction with each other. And it wasn't long after my 27th birthday when I had hit yet another rock bottom mixing Adderall and alcohol together. And I just remember like having this feeling because in the past, as I said, like I've had so many close calls with this combination in my life you know, before the age of 27, I was able to say to myself, like, oh, you know, I'm young. I made a mistake. Ha ha. Like this stuff happens. Like, I, I don't know. I, I was just able to like, brush it off. But I feel like once I hit 27 and once I just I don't know what it was about that age, but I just had to get so honest with myself because my rock bottoms kept escalating like like the level of destruction that I would cause to myself, to others, would just kept increasing. And I I, I just remember like looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like what the fuck Mary like is it gonna like what's it gonna take for you to like stop doing this like is it gonna take for you to like really like I mean at this point like I said they kept escalating like what if I hurt somebody what if I hurt myself like is that what it's gonna fucking take so I reached this bifurcation point where the idea of living my life without Adderall sounded better than living it with Adderall which is I think that's every addict's rock bottom it's like the alternative just sounds so much worse Um, and so it wasn't long after my 27th birthday that I just quit cold turkey and before I get too much into this I also want to say like I mean I think that this goes without saying I'm like, you know, I'm a girl from the Midwest. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm, (laughs) I'm not a doctor. This isn't medical advice. Like I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just sharing with you what I did and what worked for me. And in my situation with Adderall, I could not wean myself off. Like I just knew I couldn't. And, um, it, it was just too slippery of a slope. So I quit cold Turkey and, um, Okay, yeah, so I totally quit cold turkey. So before I get into, like, I want to talk about what my quitting cold turkey looked like, where I went, and all of that. Um, But before I do, I I just want to talk about what it feels like to be addicted. Um, I think I want to share what it feels like to be addicted. For first of all, maybe people are listening to this who don't know what it's like to have an addiction. Like, I want to share with you what it actually feels like so that maybe you can understand a little bit more. I also want to share this for people that are listening who maybe you are addicted. And I want to share this so so that, you know, we can have some weird trauma bond. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, I just I just want to share what it actually feels like. So at a mental level, you know, when I was addicted, every thought that I had, any thought I had about any topic on this planet, it could be something like Shawn Mendez's music <laughs> or a type of coffee I like or a hike I want to have or an experience I want to have, whatever it was, just imagine like a blanket of like like this dark blanket covering it. So it's like it like the addiction itself is constantly on your mind. It is constantly like just clouding every thought that you have and it's also keeping you incredibly small I noticed that my ability to dream when I was addicted my ability to be- to believe in myself to believe in my own capabilities was so like diminished when I was addicted to things um because it was just like I mean you're essentially giving your power away like you know again like addiction is the inability to self regulate and in my case Adderall gave me the ability to self regulate you know it gave me the ability to um you know get the grades be skinny be pretty all these things and the idea of giving it up to me meant the flip side and um it you know i wrote i wrote this i'm going to read it to you guys so addiction is a box that forms around your mind and this this is a this box is black and it looks really thick it keeps you trapped and stuck in any big thoughts that you have the box keeps them from happening or rather keeps you from believing that this is even a possibility this box is something that is actually paper thin but has convinced you that it is steel thick so you stay in and you hold and you obey its rules Because it feels good to stay where you are. And the reason it feels good to stay where you are is because of the dopamine. Like you are addicted to the dopamine that having this thing has on you. And there is a level of comfort. Especially, you know, for me, my addiction lasted for 12 years of my life. Like there was so much certainty and so much comfort in having that relationship. Um, And, you know... My story sounds like so many people who came before me. Like I have had several red red flags, several rock bottoms. And, you know, it took me hitting all of those all of those walls until I finally decided like okay, I actually want to keep going. So, okay, now let's talk about what getting clean or learning how to self-regulate without a drug looked like. And I have to be honest with you guys, like the year that followed after me giving up Adderall like was wicked. I mean, it I, like the lowest lows I've ever experienced in my entire life. Um, So much confusion, so much difficulty. I just remember like it was hard to even like lift my head off the pillow some days. It was hard for like I had constant brain fog. Um, It was so intense and. I think what kept me going was just it was almost like when I made the decision to get clean I cut myself off from all all other like all other possibilities of going back if that makes sense like it was just the only option for me and I also just kept myself going by reminding myself that like I just looked at it as this is preparing me for the rest of my life like this pain this struggle all of these things that I am feeling, if I can endure this, it is going to prepare me for something better. So those were kind of like, you know, my my wayfinders. But, you know, this was during the time when I was sitting in that Starbucks bathroom and wanted to die. And um, it was tough. And I will say during this time, I um, I did spend some time in 12 step programs I never went to a 12 step necessarily for AA or, um, like for, um, NA or anything like that. I went to 12 step programs for eating disorders. And although I'm not currently in the 12 step program now, um, I found tremendous value at that time, especially like early on in my journey, I found tremendous value and just like, Connecting with other people from all over the country who had either been where I was, who was in the same boat as me and just know like first of all just realizing like wow I'm not alone and also like I loved talking to people who had gotten through it and I really like used them and their stories as like you know evidence that that this is possible and that I can do this because I'm serious like I did not think I could live my life without Adderall. I truly did not think I could. I didn't think I could live my life without any type of a psychotropic medication. Um, And just, and you know, because of sheer evidence, I never had before. You know, I'd been on medication since I was 15. Like, I had no idea. Um, So that was incredibly helpful. And something that, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about on this podcast and will continue to hear me talk about is the value of the first three steps. So, you know, the first step is admitting, like, I am powerless against this thing. So in my case, like I'm powerless against Adderall. And then the second was creating a God of your own understanding. And then the third step is acting as if that God of your own understanding is real every day, is working on your behalf and is like helping you heal and get through this. So those three steps really got me through the first year. And I'm actually coming up on year two. Actually, wait, yeah. Yeah, so I got clean of Adderall in May of twenty twenty one. So yeah, a little over two years now. Which is like, I mean, blows my mind. Um and another thing that happened is as I said, I mean, I have now that I'm on the other side of addiction, what I've learned is that um my addiction to Adderall specifically, Adderall became like a band-aid for me. It was a band-aid And once I peeled that bandaid off, all the shit that I was running from just came back full force. Like, you know, my my eating disorder tendencies and my issues with, you know, alcohol and things like that just came back like in full force. And in a lot of ways, like I did revert back to being that 15 year old girl who just who just started like before I started taking it, you know, and it really has been like. I feel like these last two years have just been learning how to be a functioning, healthy adult and what this comes down to. And, you know, I I really, really want to break this down is dopamine and how I have and this has taken me a long time to get here. Like, I think my first year of recovery from Adderall addiction was just honestly getting through the fucking day. And what that meant for me was, yeah, like I did gain weight and that, you know, for me and everything like that does it, like, I, I can't lie. Like for me, that sucked. And, you know, I couldn't gain weight. I had a hard time working out because I felt so lethargic, but, um, I think my priorities just had to shift and it was literally just getting through the day. Um, once I got to, maybe it was like, honestly, like the year and a half mark, um, um, which was like last December, I think that was when I was really able to get more clear on like, okay, now I'm ready for what's next. And for me, what's next was like figuring out why am I like this? And what I realized is that it's just dopamine. Like the reason that I get a hit from, you know, eating disorder tendencies, the reason I get a hit from, you know, drinking and access. The reason I get a hit from Adderall is because I have an obsession with dopamine. And the cool thing is once you realize that, like there are so many things that you can do on this planet that don't involve an addictive substances that can give you dopamine hits. So I'm going to get a little bit more into that later uh, on in the episode coming up here. Um, Something else I want to say, though, is, you know, um, the accomplishments that I've had on Adderall. Like, for instance, you know, I just had to take all these crazy exams for the for the industry that I work in. And I was able to pass those without Adderall. And I was and I passed them like on the first try. And I just remember like that accomplishment itself felt so much fucking sweeter than passing any engineering class that I ever did you know hiked up on Adderall and I just completed a half marathon and in my life I've done several half marathons but I've never once done it without Adderall but when I crossed that finish line you guys I cried so much and so much of it had to do with like wow I I Mary Lacey Banks did this without anything outside of me um And that just felt huge. And I can't wait to continue to rack up more of those accomplishments. Um, So giving up Adderall, um, it literally felt like a death. As I said before, Adderall was my best friend for years. Adderall helped me keep all of my other idiosyncrasies. Does that make sense? I don't know. It It just basically helped me keep up all of my like ner- all of my neurotic habits it helped me keep them up it helped me keep all my neuroses in check and it was my best freaking friend because of that i mean Adderall was a part of my life every day for the last tw- you know for at that point 12 years of my life and getting clean from Adderall literally it was a death to me like and i just want to get so clear on that like it was a it it felt like a death and i didn't fully know it at the time but Now I realize like that mourning period of feeling like lethargic and sad for a whole year, it's like, it's because literally something that was so much a part of my life is gone. And another thing that had to die was, you know, I, I had just touched a little bit earlier on dopamine and how, you know, I was addicted or, you know, whatever, I have an addiction to dopamine, um, Something else I had to fully accept was that the level of high, the level of dopamine that I got from Adderall, I will never get that back again. I will never get that from anything. And I think when I had first got off of Adderall, you know, and this is something that a lot of people who go through addiction experience is their addiction to something else will increase. And, you know, in my case, it was my my addiction to sugar and flour and my addiction just to eating food increased because that thing was taken away and I, I can realize now I was eating subconsciously with the intention of trying to get that high back but what I had to accept is that the high that I got from Adderall was a, was from a synthetic substance and you know I I'll never get that back again and I have to let that go and I have to let that desire go with it. And, um, you know, this, this goes into economics and trade-offs, you know, when you say yes to one thing, you say no to something else. And for me saying yes to myself, saying yes to Mary Lacey Banks, saying yes to my health, my happiness, my future, my dreams, the woman I want to become, the things I want to do in this world, um, the way I want to show up saying yes to all of those things means I have to say no to, you know, I have to say no to Adderall and I can do that now. Um, so I now want to get into what my life looks like now with addiction. Um, and I, cause I, I want to be totally honest with this. So I first want to touch on my relationship with alcohol. So my relationship with alcohol is a very complicated one. And it started when I was 15 years old and, you know, I was a hot, Fucking mess express for so long with alcohol. I do believe that the fact that I was mixing alcohol with a psychotropic medication with Adderall, which explicitly, you know, says that you should not mix the two, I think that was my first. I definitely think that was a problem. I think that it, first of all, it made my alcohol tolerance fucking zero. I black out like so quick. And it also set me on this trajectory where I couldn't stop drinking. Like, once I would start, I could not stop. And so when I decided to get clean from Adderall, I also started to um, let go of alcohol. And again, for me, they were were so coupled together. And just as I had to let my identity die of, you know, my relationship with Adderall, I had to also change my identity around alcohol, alcohol. And this was so hard because... For so long, like, my identity has just been like, oh, I'm the fun girl. I'm the party girl. Like, that's me. You know, I want to be that girl. I want to be the fun one. I want to be this or that. And for me, like, I had to let all of that die. I had to accept that, like, you know, I will never be that girl again who just, you know, goes out to a bar for fun and, like, hangs out. First of all, I've actually realized that's not true, like, fun or enjoyment to me anyway but there is a social component that's involved. And I think, you know, so much of my identity was wrapped up in the social aspect of it. So I had to really just reframe my relationship to alcohol. And, you know, I want to be totally transparent, too. Like the last two years, I have I have had missteps with alcohol. I have had really cringy nights with alcohol since then, Um And I'm continuing to monitor that relationship. And you know, I've gone several months without drinking it or without drinking it or thinking about it. I've had moments in my life where I think I'm an alcoholic and I don't know what I think at this moment. I do know that, um, since quitting psychotropic medication, um, my ability to, first of all, like my desire to drink has gone down tremendously. And my desire to drink like for instance like if i start drinking i don't have that desire to keep going um but it is something that i'm continuing to monitor and it's definitely not at the forefront of my life it's not something i do every day every month even like every quarter <laughs> so um so yeah that's that and i would say right now in my life you know the relationship i'm struggling right now with would be with food and with my um yeah just with my relationship to food and you know quote-unquote eating disorders and all those things and you know right now it's it's more of um just learning how to eat in a healthy way and I want to share with you all if if this is something I know many people listening to this you know struggle with like similar things so I just want to share with you like some things that I've learned about eating through my 12-step program. I wasn't in a 12-step food recovery program. Um, I'm not in it right now and but I, I am still like doing some of the principles and what I have found that really helps me with this whole food thing is like planning my meals ahead of time like planning your like the night before like when when I'm laying in bed the night before when I'm laying in bed I open up my app. I have like a macro tracking app and I put down like I, I just I plan out my meals. I track them. I make sure that, the, you know, that they're hitting my macros, that they're hitting all these things. And um, and I do that with the intention of, OK, first of all, it builds confidence because when I'm able to wake up the next day and stick. First of all, know like, OK, Mary Lacey, like we have a fucking plan, like we made this plan. This plan has all your macros in, involved, like totally in your best interest And when I eat what I planned and what I said I was going to eat, like, wow, I just stuck. I just followed through. I just stuck with a commitment that I made myself. And that is something that is so important to do as people who are in recovery from being addicted to something. Because for years, we have given our power away to something else. We've given our power away to a drug, to alcohol, to a behavior, whatever, and most of us have no confidence when we're getting when we're in the process of recovering because we've, we have because any confidence we had, you know, we've probably said to ourselves and other people several times, you know, oh, this is the last time. Oh, I'm getting clean today. Oh, I'm going to. And then we break that promise. And, you know, by I know that it might sound really small, but that is how we build confidence is by getting the small wins. And for me, I love getting a small win in every day by. Giving um I love getting a small win in every day by following and eating only in exactly what I committed to eating, you know, with the intention that this is going to fuel my body. I also want to say that you know, now that I am like on the other side, and this is my first time in my life that I have been, you know, quote unquote, raw dogging life, meaning I'm not on any psychotropic medication. i'm you know, I'm not drinking regularly. Um, I'm not eating like sugar and flour super regularly. And I, I guess my intention of doing this is again, it's, it has everything to do with building confidence in myself and approving with myself that I have everything that I need. I have everything I need within me and I can fucking do this. And this isn't to say that, you know, going back to the whole, like, you know, medication thing. Yes. I was diagnosed with ADHD. I never had a brain scan. So who knows if it's true, you know, in my life. Yes. I've been, you know, I've been in therapy for a long time. Uh, I love personal development. I love learning and growing and connecting with self and, um, all of this to say, yes, I've been diagnosed with like depression, you know, all these things. And I'm not saying that in my life, in certain seasons of my life, like who knows what the future holds for, you know, what I need to be the healthiest version of myself. But I know that in this moment, what I truly need is I just need to go all in on on me. I need to go all in on MLB and I need to show myself what I'm capable of. And this isn't to say that, you know, I'm not going to be stubborn if something comes up like, you know, I'll consider all options, but. I I just know that the best option for myself right now is to not engage in any type of psychotropic medication. So here are the tools that I'm using to stay regulated. So now that I am, you know, on the other side of things, I now want to share with you, like, what am I doing every day to stay self-regulated? And all of these things that I am sharing with you have to do with dopamine. Like, I fill my life with dopamine. So the first tool that I do is I have to have extended periods of my heart rate at 155 or greater in my life, like five to six times a week. And first of all, like the, you know, the afterglow, the high of feeling this way to me is the most similar to the high or the dopamine rush that I was searching for with the alcohol Adderall combo. So that is one thing. And I do this through strength training. I do, um, I do CrossFit here um, in town. And I also do this through outdoor endurance sports. Oh my God, I love outdoor endurance sports. Endurance sports are my favorite for dopamine release and just for feeling freaking amazing. And doing them outside is like my absolute favorite because you know, you get all the benefit. Like you get the feeling of the sun, you get the feeling of like the nature, like nature around you. And there's something that's actually like really spiritual, profound about being in nature and like working your ass off. I don't know what it is, but it is something. So 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, the other thing, uh, number two, what I'm doing to stay regulated is I'm exploring diet and nutrition as a way to nourish myself. I listened to this book by Dr. Kelly Brogan. It's called A Mind of Your Own. And I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. Um, But it talks all about, um, you know, she is a holistic psychiatrist and she talks a lot about psychotropic medication. And essentially, um, I appreciate this book because she gives the listeners and the readers something to think about in terms of how we can take our power back. from medications that give a lot of unwanted side effects. And um, the biggest tool that she gives is our nutrition. And so I've been, you know, playing with and exploring my relationship to sugar and flour, to my relationship with gluten and processed things. And um, for me, this is, it's more of like a curiosity exploration. I'm not, I, I'm not a hundred percent anything, but I am becoming more curious and especially as it relates to depression and adhd exclusively you know the two things that i have spent a long time struggling with um i have become so incredibly interested with the relationship to our food and um what again controlling what we can control um so that we can stay healthy and functioning so diet nutrition mind of your own um, number three is putting myself first in every area of my life. And to me, this comes down to boundaries. And the way I like to talk about boundaries is getting super clear on what your hell yes is and super clear on what your hell no is. and creating a life for yourself that honors these. Like creating a life for yourself so that like if you notice a hell no in your life, create an a- creating an exit strategy and act an action plan, to eliminate that thing, you know, or to mitigate that thing so that you can have more hell yes experiences so that you can create a life that really serves you, that serves your why, that serves, you know, what lights you up. So that's huge is making sure that I'm creating an environment for myself that supports me. Um because I do notice that, you know, when I look back on my years of being in addiction and things like that, I stayed in situations that I should have left years ago <laughs> uh because what what being ad- what being addicted to things does is it, it like it blunts your it, it blunts a lot of your feelings and a lot of our feelings are there so that we can get out of a situation you know like like when, when you have a bad feeling like we want to get out of it you know And what ended up happening was my feelings and my senses were so blunted that, again, I stayed in situations and circumstances that weren't helping me and that were actually like feeding the behavior. Number four is dreaming as big as you have to in order to feel inspired. Oh, my God, this is huge. I talked about this earlier with um, my experience with being addicted and how it really does like it it limits you in so many ways and it limits your ability to dream and believe in your dreams and since you know getting on the other side of this and since trying to create a life full of more hell yeses something I learned is that a lot of the dreams that I was creating for myself or that I told myself I wanted they actually weren't my dreams they were the dreams of the collective they were the dreams of you know the quote everybody else they were the oh you know I I you know, I I think I want a degree. I think I want to get married. I think I want a house. I think I want kids. And, and, you know, these are very, and, and if you, uh, again, like if you want these things, that's fucking amazing. Great. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And at least in my case, these were just regurgitated beliefs, regurgitated desires based on the collective. And since letting that go and truly getting curious with myself, like, R-A-M-L-B, no bullshit, what do you want? No bullshit, what excites you? And getting so honest with myself and basically putting no limit on my dreams, no limit on my ability to think, to be expansive, and to get honest, like, my inspiration has gone up so much. And the reason I'm talking about this, the reason it's so important is because you need to have a why every single fucking day. Like, you need to make sure that your why is so fucking strong because- life's going to get hard. You know, life is going to get so challenging. And when it does, if your why isn't strong enough, like you put yourself at risk of going back to old things, going back to old behaviors. And like, I don't want that for you at all. So I really encourage you to get super clear on what is your why, what inspires you, and then creating a life that like puts you on the, on the trajectory to realize those things. Um, So this now leads me into number five, which is living every day as if living every day as if the God of your understanding has your back, is listening to you, loves you and is like conspiring with you to help you. And this is something that, you know, when I was going through um, my, you know, my really low lows of, you know, literally taking one day at a time, just trying to get through, just trying to get through. And just continuing to believe that this is preparing me for something else, that the God of my understanding is preparing me for something else, that that they are with me, that they have my back. And this was the same belief that I had, you know, when I was in the Starbucks bathroom. And it's it's the same belief that I have, you know, as I sit here and record this podcast, like I'm I'm sitting here acting as if the God of my understanding is, you know, with me, helping me, guiding me, giving me the words to say the ideas to speak so that it can, you know, help other people as well as convey the message of my heart. So number six is filling your brain with nourishing or filling. Yeah, filling your brain with nourishing content. So I do this in the form of primarily podcasts. Um, I also do this in the form of like Instagram reels and YouTube videos. Um, But I am obsessed with personal development. So I every morning. Uh, I like to do this kind of like first thing in the morning. Like I like I like this to be like the first stuff that goes into my brain. I want it to be stuff that's going to empower me, inspire me and remind me of what I want. Remind me of the truth. You know, don't let yourself get stuck in like the muck of the mundane. Like don't let your brain just get stuck in like what, quote, everyone else is doing or the mindless shit of of life that doesn't serve you you know like fill your brain with things that are going to nourish you so that you can get that roi and for me it's personal development and um and also to me laughing nourishes me so like i love to watch old snl skits and things like that that make me laugh number seven uh one of, or the number seven tool that I do to stay regulated is I focus on experiences. So what I notice is when I go to experiences, my dopamine goes like through the roof. Like, oh my God, when I go see a live concert and like that freaking guitar solo, just like, you know, marinates in your soul. Like the level of dopamine I have is through the roof and I'm able to ride that afterglow, like for days after. So I, I find it super important that I fill my life with experiences like that. So for me, that means, like, I'm going to a concert or some kind of a live music event at least once a month. Um, also, it, like, with experiences, it's like these can be trips. Like, going, you know, I just went to the Grand Tetons. Amazing. I'm still writing that afterglow. I'm still writing, you know, that dopamine high that that gave me. And this is even just, like, new places, new sites. And this doesn't have to be something that's, like, you know, thousands of miles away. Like I I also find dopamine just from going to like a new park or going to a new restaurant or just something new, but just really making sure that like I am constantly stimulated in some way. And I think that as people who are addicted, you know, that's this podcast is essentially for you. (laughs) It's for people who are struggling or know someone that's struggling. And I do think it's important that we prioritize what we need and what we need is like things that are going to stimulate us uh, and stimulate our need for dopamine. So number eight is, um, you know, doing what I need to do for me when it comes to my day. So, you know, I'm I work in sales. I work from home. And to me, that means like I need a mini trampoline in my house at all times. That means like I'm going to wake up and while, you know, I'm going to wake up and just dance because I love this song or I'm going to go dance in the mirror and sing or you know when I'm on my bike ride uh, on my lunch break I'm going to yell when I'm going on a downhill like just really doing what I need to do for me because I know that all of those things I just named to you like they make me so freaking happy and you know happy happy dopamine they're kind of like the same thing so number nine what is helping me stay regulated is honestly podcasting you guys like I think having the ability to have something like having a project to look forward to to focus on to put so much of my energy into has been incredibly healing. Having the ability to have a platform where I can formulate my thoughts formulate my story be expressive has been incredibly regulating and I can also tell that like A lot of the energy that I have, because I do have this obsessive energy and we'll get more into that in a few minutes about what, you know, personality traits of an addict. But I think by giving myself the ability to be obsessed with something that nourishes me is just so fun and so healing. So I really hope that you guys can find that for yourselves. And the number 10 way that I'm staying regulated is by surrounding myself with people who inspire me. So I do this with my friend group. I have the most amazing friend group of women who are so just amazing and encouraging. And I spend a lot of time with them. Uh, And, you know, we do this by spending time together, like in physical places, like sometimes we'll go to each other's houses. Sometimes we'll just FaceTime, Um, you know, sometimes we'll just text, but just making sure that I'm surrounding myself with them. And this is also going back to something that I talked about last week which is making sure that my social media feed is full of content from people who inspire me, who I want to be like, and who are showing me, you know, examples of, of who I want to be and what's possible. So I now want to move on to um, why do I think that I got an addiction? And, you know, this is, this is a, a loaded question, but I think it's an important one to, ta- to touch on. So addictions do run in my family so this could be something that was like genetically programmed potentially um, or it could have been something that was just modeled to me and I picked it up as a kid from those around me. Um, and I'll also say just from an overall like personality standpoint like for lack of a better word yes like I do have what you would call an addictive personality like I love to be up I love to be. Like, I, I just I live to be up, you guys. I literally do. Like, you know, I say this a lot. Like I live for the downhill. And that's a reference to uh, road biking. <laughs> but it just means like I live for the thrill of life. Um, And, you know, I'll also say through all my work, you know, I've done a lot of work, on my thoughts, a lot of work on my beliefs. And the belief that I truly believe, ha ha ha, was kind of like the driver of this bus for me was this belief that, you know, I'm not good enough. I need, insert addiction, to be normal. You know, I need the eating disorder. I need the Adderall. I need the alcohol. I need the achievement, blah, 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 to be, you know, quote unquote normal or to be loved or whatever. That was just a belief that I always had. And um a big part of my recovery, a big part of my uh, self-regulation journey has been coming back to my truth and the truth that I have everything I need. I have everything I need. And, and I truly believe, first of all, I believe I have everything I need. And I also believe that based on my personality, based on my strengths, based on my weaknesses, that there is a reality where I can alchemize all of these traits within me so that I can create a life that works for me. And this is a message that I want for you as well. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. You have everything that you need and there is a reality where you can alchemize every part of you to create a life that lights you up and makes you so happy. So, um, you know, I think giving myself the opportunity to learn and to self-regulate without these things has been the, uh, such a gift to give to myself. It's been incredibly hard. And, and rewarding all at the same time. I think that is something that, um, you know, addiction, oftentimes with addiction, it was me taking the, sh- it was me taking the easy way out. Uh, addiction meant going for the easy thing, going for the drug, going for the alcohol, going for the, for the thing that was immediate. And I think what getting, you know, this journey of self-regulation, this journey of getting clean has taught me to delay instant gratification um in lieu of something uh, in lieu of how great it feels to um to to not do things with band-aids that's kind of like the best way I can say it to not do things with band-aids um I also want to talk about once an addict always an addict Uh, that's something that a lot of people say and what I want to say to that is um I believe that that addiction has the ability to actually be a strength. And here's what I want to reframe addiction to be. And here's what I encourage you to reframe addiction to be. Addiction is just an obsession to dopamine. You are obsessed with dopamine. And this is something that David Goggins was talking about um, on one of his reels earlier this week, which like I loved because he's like, you know, he he essentially said that, you know, obsession is a superpower and I couldn't agree with him more. I think obsession has been something that has been demonized as being this thing that is so, you know, bad or something. And sure, like, you know, in my case, I became obsessed with Adderall. I became obsessed with alcohol. I became obsessed with, you know, being someone I wasn't. So, yeah, that was pretty self-destructive. But I think when we can harness our obsession into something You know, as I said earlier, if if we like we can alchemize who we are, so if we can alchemize our tendency to be obsessed with something into something that gives us an ROI, like, you know, give it into something that feeds you back, like rather than being obsessed with something that that sucks you dry, become obsessed with something that gives you an ROI, become obsessed with like, (laughs) I say this with a huge smile on my face, but like, become obsessed with yourself, become obsessed with and at least that's that's where I'm at. And that's what's really helping me is with my ups because yeah guys like I I am a fucking I am I have the ability to be so obsessed I have the ability to be so hyper focused and so just like laser pointed on something and for a long time that was on destructive things and now I'm just obsessed with personal development I'm obsessed with blowing my mind every fucking day I'm obsessed with creating goals and meeting them I'm obsessed with learning more about myself I'm obsessed with outdoor sports I'm obsessed with you know um creating a body that I desire I'm obsessed with all of these things all of these things that are you know healthy and that um you know can serve me and and serve and you know, and here's my personal belief. I believe that if it's healthy for me, if it's a win for me, I think it's a win. and he- I think it's a win. I think it's healthy for all because, you know, if we become obsessed with filling our own cups, if we become obsessed with becoming the best versions of ourselves, like this is going to have a ripple effect into society. This is going to have a ripple effect into our communities, our families, our neighborhoods, our one on one relationships like it is going to it it is going to be amazing and um okay that's that I'm done I'm done mic drop um so here are my closing thoughts and I know that this is going to sound like a total cliche but I'm going to say it anyway and this is um please let my story be evidence to you that recovery is possible like if I can get clean and operate without Adderall like So can you and I am like internally rolling my eyes because, you know, when I before I had committed to this, I had heard this so many times from so many people and it just seemed so just, you know, I'd be like, you know, shut up. (laughs) But truly, like if like when I tell you guys I did not think I could live without Adderall, I did not And even as I was getting clean from Adderall, like I did not believe that I could function without psychotropic medication in general because of, you know, this, you know, quote unquote, ADHD diagnosis, diagnosis, diagnosis. And I'm doing the fucking thing. I'm doing it. I'm figuring it out. I've and so can you. And I just really want to, um, again, let me be evidence that you can do this, that this is possible and just live your day as if. So I also want to um I want you to ki- like you I I so again I am this podcast to me is really like a message to my younger self or a message to someone who is struggling so even though even if you're listening to this and if you aren't like connecting with addiction I'm not saying that that you are but anyway with that being said I'm I'm really speaking to the audience members out there who either are addicts or know people who are addicts. Okay. So here's the other thing I want to say is to consider getting clean before you hit rock bottom. And I understand that sometimes like we have to like a lot of times like we are stubborn. We have to have our own journey. We have to have all of this stuff happen. But something that I want to say is like if you, let's say you've already had a couple rock bottoms and you're kind of coasting still. I just want you to consider like consider not letting another rock bottom hit because what happens with these rock bottoms is they're they're they are successive like every one gets more and more intense and I don't want that for you I don't want that for anybody else and I just really encourage you to consider doing it before you hit another bottom um and I think the final like thought that I want to leave you with is this question, which is like, how can you alchemize your drive for succession to serve you? How can you alchemize your drive for succession to serve you? You know, when you make the decision that the road that you're traveling down is no longer your path, when you cut yourself off from all other possibilities consider okay well what am I going to do with all of this energy all this mental energy all of this mental obsession that I was spending on you know said addiction said behavior and just think about what you can pour that into like what can you fucking create what dreams have you been stifling from from being on this path of you know addiction and destruction um okay gang I'm done I'm done. I've talked a lot today. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this. Um, I'm grateful that I have the ability to share this story. Um, there have been several of my friends in my life who have, who aren't here anymore to share their story, um, with addiction and, uh, yeah, it's hard. It breaks my heart for them. And, um, you know, again, I'm grateful that I get to share my story and I'm sharing it in in hopes that it can help somebody and um in hopes that it can inspire somebody um to make a different to make a different choice and to, you know, put themselves and their lives first. So I am holding you so tight in a thought hug. Please follow me on social media at all things Mary Lacey Banks. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends. I would love to get more ears on the pod. Also, please let the algorithm know that you like The Mary Bank Show by rating and reviewing my podcast. So until we meet next week, I'm holding you so tight in a thought hug, and I hope you have a great one. Bye.